Ladies and gentlemen, welcome or welcome back to the JKWD podcast. Where I know you can hear that I'm a little more mellow right now for this intro <laughs> than normal, because we just had a really good conversation with Amanda Gilbert, and you'll you get the mellow out of that too, I'm sure. <laughs> Kelvin, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing fine, young man. Uh, life's good, weather's good, sun shining, no earthquakes and stuff like that. And I'm just a pretty happy guy today. Great. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. I uh, had a very early run this morning as I got the email from, from our local emergency management association. Hey, uh, heat index over 115 tomorrow you I'm sorry. should probably get yourself inside and stay there most of the day mm. so i woke up at four and was running by five and was home by sunrise which was nice to be able to watch that from the you know comfort of standing still <laughs> and, and and you didn't even look sleep uh when no. you logged on to the zoom this morning yeah, well, I'm I'm four cups of coffee into my day, and I'm gonna go well, take a nap. So. <laughs> there is it. And um, I'm now sitting in my sauna of a garage because there's no uh, there's no air conditioning out here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we had a conversation with Amanda Gilbert, author of Kindness Now. She is a meditation coach, instructor, and uh, she sent us this book, and. If you are into this uh, field at all, you'll recognize some of the names uh, within the book. Uh, Trudy Goodman wrote the foreword, and Sharon Salzberg, and Deepak Chopra, and Tara Brock wrote blurbs. And you'll see quotes in there from you know, inside the book from Jack Cornfield and Thich Nhat Hanh. And, uh, and it's a, it's a how-to, which, which we really like here, you know, it's it's all well and good for us to say, hey, go meditate. But this is this has a 28 day prescription, and we talk about this a little bit in the book. Well, in the conversation, I mean, the the this book has a 28 day prescription in it, rather than just saying, okay, now go meditate. You know, there's there's actually a how to and a progression, and you'll hear Amanda say this, but it's also designed if you're comfortable. In your practice and you want a new place to start is just open to a open to a day and do that day's meditation you don't have to start at day one so this is a good this is a good how-to instruction manual and uh, you know we like that kind of thing here <laughs> we do so i'm gonna stop babbling because we uh we talked for a while we got a full full hour with amanda and we i think we we dove deep for most of that hour well it wasn't a lot of small talk here so i'm gonna i'm gonna shut my mouth we're gonna play some music and on the other side of that hear our conversation with amanda gilbert Dominate your world. You ready? Here we go. 
morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Josh. Hi, Calvin. It's great to be here with you. It's nice to see you. And what a smile that was. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, you must have thought we were celebrities or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just meeting this moment with so much joy and appreciation. I am so looking forward to this conversation with you both. Awesome. As are we. As are we. Thank you. Okay. Well, I cut you off, Kelvin. What were you? Uh, I was going to tell my normal joke, which is <laughs> which is that Josh is the brains of the outfit and and I'm the mm-hmm. personality. So, but uh, but he's been getting a lot of more personality lately. So mm. you're going to have a good time talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, what great balance! And where are you both? Um, where are where are you both like zooming in from, or where are we connecting from? I'm in Savannah, Georgia, mm-hmm. and I'm in the uh, Syracuse, New York area. Oh, amazing. Kelvin, I'm in uh, Brooklyn right now. So, Oh, are you? Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like fun. How's things in Brooklyn right now? Things are, I mean, things are okay. Things are good. Um, you know, I've been here for about like six weeks or so this summer. So I've kind oh, of cool. seen the gradient of, you know, how we've been responding to all the new information, especially around the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Brooklyn's doing okay. Like we're, we're meeting things as best as we can. So things are good here. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So typically we start by asking you your mission and and Mm -hmm. why that's your mission. And, but yeah, Mm -hmm. why don't you um, introduce your mission to us and let us know why that's your mission. Thank you, Josh. Um, So my practice and really my intention day-to-day in my life or my mission is to more broadly support the alleviation of suffering for all beings everywhere without exclusion. And within that same breath and conversation, um, another part of my purpose or practice or mission is to also share the teachings of mindfulness meditation or Buddhist-based meditation. Reason being is these sets of practices and principles have been one of the modalities or the ways of being in the world or the practices that have really helped me personally alleviate my, or I guess be in the process of working with and, and alleviating my own, you know, feelings of, brokenness or suffering over the years. And so I feel really strongly about um, sharing those teachings as widely as possible. And also just to remind people and our fellow human beings of their innate capacity to, to tap into the fundamental sense of happiness, contentment, inner peace and healing as, as best as they can moment to moment in their lives too. So I would say that that is maybe the, the breadth of my mission or just even how I show up each day. Now you do address this in the book a little bit, but how mm-hmm. did you come across your, your practice here? 
Meditation actually found me at a really young age when I was in my last semester of high school. And after that, it just really kept showing up, knocking on my door. It um, was part of my undergraduate curriculum spontaneously in, in college. People I knew well, people I didn't know well, they would just give me books on meditation and um, mindfulness. And then after um, just a bit of a a hard time in my early 20s, I got really serious about meditation. And that is when I actually started a consistent daily meditation practice. And that really stems from what I was just sharing around my purpose and my mission. It was then that I really started to personally and directly understand the um, potential of this practice to help meet you know, very, very human moments, very, very human circumstances and, and challenges. Right. Now, one of the things, you know, I'll, I'll address the book and I know that I can, I can see Kelvin's brain going, um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. one of the things I really like about the book is that uh, you, you lay out a very, a very clear how to, and, and we like, we like prescriptions here because it's very easy to say, hey, you should go meditate. Um, yeah. But it's very hard to say, what should you concentrate on and and how do you progress? And and you've, you've laid out a progression that seems both sustainable and renewable. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you, come across this, uh, this path. I love that you highlighted that Josh, because, um, you know, especially just what we were speaking about before, maybe the recording technically started just between you and Kelvin. One is the brains. One's kind of like the joie de vivre, the personality. Um, I really relate to that because I like systems. I like a sense of direction for my own course and path of meditation studies. That first time I meditated in high school, I was 17 years old. I was not even 18 yet. Um, And since then, I've had a lot of exposure to meditation and mindfulness, formal classes, formal trainings. Obviously, later on, I have done years of of study around the facilitation of, of meditation and mindfulness. So just from all of that, uh, experience, I've realized for me, I I so appreciate an A to Z. And we can even we can even broaden that to any sort of like learning or aspects, you know, of of um, anything I've engaged with as far as training or or taking st- studies or um, being in studyship around. I really appreciate a direct path. And so medit- for meditation and mindfulness, I have found that because it can be so conceptual and it can be very nebulous at times, what am I doing? What is this? Do I even like this? Am I a good meditator? There's so many different traditions, paths, lineages. There's so much out there that um, I felt really strongly about letting this particular set of practices in in the book and kindness now be as accessible, direct, and, um, you know, just really, really approachable as possible. And that just comes from my own way of, of practicing and training over the years. And also to be quite honest, um, I also just being a longtime reader, and of course, reading a lot of meditation and Dharma or Buddhist based books over the years, 
I felt like there was almost like an opening or a niche in contemporary mindfulness literature where I just wanted people to be able to say, okay, if I want to learn this, if I want to learn how to be more kind, more compassionate, uh, more equanimous, if I want to learn how to actually celebrate someone else's happiness and joy instead of being jealous of them and their happiness and success, um, here's the path and how to do that week by week, day by day. Um, and so part of my intention was, of course, to lay out a month-long study program on the four heart practices of mindfulness meditation, but then also realizing that perhaps some readers would maybe just pick up the book and flip to a certain day and um, meet those teachings in a certain way. And I was almost hoping that the book and, and the practices within the book would just be able to meet meditators and readers wherever they were at in their own practice path. Okay, some of us need that. I, I, uh, mm. I'd love to tell you that I was a, a, an avid, passionate, dogmatic meditator, but sometimes I can't even spell the word. Um, and I had... There was a time in my life where I was, that sounded like it was going to be a big, long story, but I was, I was meditating. I would, I would sit, um, I was having 3D meditations. I was having full color meditations. I was having stuff and it was so cool. I do not know what happened to it. It went away. Um, and I've listened to a lot of things on meditation. Nothing that gives me the, you know, there's the, the people who are sitting and oming, there's people with gongs, there's people doing all kinds of things. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like the, the, the quick ABC method uh, that, that I'd really like to have. And, and then I say, well, maybe there's not an ABC method. This really does take more than just sitting and listening to my heartbeat and, and trying to figure out where my breath is hitting my face, that kind of thing. So, I kind of like to get back to that other place where I was. Although at that point, I was seeing a lot of things. I was visualizing a lot of things. I wasn't necessarily connecting with information. I wasn't necessarily getting enlightenment. Um, maybe that's why I haven't been able to get back to it. So you got something for people like us? I, I, I definitely hope so, Calvin. Um, <laughs> you know, um, one of my main intentions in sharing meditation more, more broadly, even outside of the book, is that um, I have the firm belief that meditation can meet us wherever we are at. So whatever we are coming to our practice with, whether it's the intention for better physical health, better sleep, reduce anxiety, reduce stress, whether it's to be in the inquiry of self-discovery or to visualize, you know, the things that we really want or aspire to have in our lives. I, I feel from my own direct experience that meditation has that capacity to meet us in these very specific, unique ways. And um, it's almost like I, I share that at times, and it's almost like there is an opening and an opportunity that is offered when, when I share that in my classes or with my students, because 
somebody like me in a teacher's seat can say that at any time. However, it is always up to the student or the practitioner or the individual to really take take that offering or that invitation in and maybe give meditation the the faith, the trust, and the confidence to show up and and meet them and meet us where we are on that particular hour or on that particular day. And, you know, one of the things that that came up for me when you were sharing, Kelvin, is that meditation is not a linear process, like at all, even though the, the book and how I like to study meditation and what I appreciate about mindfulness or Buddhist meditation in particular, that is why I've really landed in this lineage and tradition is because there is a path. <laughs> there is, you know, a path through this human experience. The, um, there are, there's a trajectory that we can go within and we can work within as a mindfulness-based meditator. Um, but even within that, uh, that journey, that path, that's not just straightforward. That's not a linear process. So even within our own meditation practice, even if we do the same technique over and over and over again, each and every day is going to be different. Each and every practice or attempt at practice is going to be that opening or that invitation that we give meditation to meet us in that unique moment. So, um, I, I wholeheartedly feel like, of course, yes, um, my new book, Kindness Now, has that capacity to meet people wherever you're at, uh, consistent meditator, non-consistent meditator, new to meditation, a 10-year-plus decade of or more practice. Um, but I also just feel like that about meditation in general. I have a lot of faith and confidence in this practice. Uh, you know, I, I I had one more technical-ish question about the book. Uh, you went with kindness now as a title. Um, why that? Why that title? And and what is what is kindness? Give us give us your your take on on what kindness actually is and why you're working from that. Thank you, Josh. Um, the reason why myself and my publisher, Shambhala Publications, um, landed on Kindness Now was really because the teachings within the book, the heart practices of mindfulness meditation or the Brahma Viharas of Buddhist tradition um, are these set of teachings where the mind and the heart meet. So even classically, if we if we move out of the secular approach to mindfulness meditation and we, we move into the realm of a Buddhist view or Buddhist tradition where mindfulness comes from, traditionally in, in the East and in Buddhist practice settings and in monasteries, the mind and the heart are not viewed as two separate things. They are actually approached and practiced with and viewed as the same entity or the same unified entity. One of the stories in uh, my book actually comes from a collaborator of mine, the incredible neuroscientist, Dr. Clifford Sarin, based out of San Francisco, and um, his research lab is based at UC Davis. He was part of the initial wave of Western scientists to actually go over to very, um, very long-time standing Buddhist monasteries in the East, in India, in particular is where the sto this story from the book actually took place. And he was sharing the story with me that 
one of his first expeditions, him and his research team actually brought over all of their brain measuring equipment to this monastery in, in India. And they had the intention to research the effects of meditation on, on the monks' brains at this monastery. This was a very particular monastery, though. It was one of the oldest monasteries in, in that area. So the monks who were there and studying there would be ordained into this monastery at sometimes the age of nine, I guess, 10, 11, 12. So they started practicing their meditation at a very, very young age. And so him and his colleagues got over there, had all of their, their measuring equipment again, and they were giving a demonstration to the student body of monks saying that, um, you know, here are the, the EEG electrode nodes, we're placing them on the brain. And one of the student monks raised, raised their hand and just asked the, the neuroscientists, oh, exactly what are you trying to measure again? Like, what's the purpose of, of us doing this? And the neuroscientist, Dr. Francisco Varela, responded with, well, we are trying to measure the effects of your meditation practice on the brain. And so that got translated to the student um, group of monks. And then all of a sudden, there was like an eruption of laughter from, <laughs> from this group of student monks. And the, the monk who had asked the question turned back to Dr. Francisco Varela and just responded, um, as this was translated to Dr. Varela, that well, you know, if you want to, if you want to measure the effects of our practice or meditation on on the brain, you need to place those electrodes and those nodes here. And he was pointing towards his the middle of his chest, towards his heart space. And as Dr. Clifford Saren shares the story, he said that's you know kind of when Western scientists, in particular started to get this idea and this concept. So Kindness Now, the book title, really is a nod to this, that the traditional way of practicing mindfulness meditation has to do with this place, this meeting ground, where our heart as human beings and all the qualities of the heart, like kindness, um, come and meet all of the wholesome qualities of the mind, like our mindfulness and our awareness and our presence of mind. So, um, you know, to me, kindness is a innate faculty of being a human being. It's one of the things I love about these teachings so much, and even just my own experience with trying to be kind towards myself, first and foremost, in my own meditation practice, is that when we set the intention to be kind, which you know, maybe to explore the definition of how I relate to kindness, especially on the heels of, of the book. Um, you know, kindness to me has so many different components and faculties to it. It's very multidimensional. Um, you know, it has friendliness to it. It has warmth. It has understanding. It has spaciousness. It has acceptance. It has non-judgment. It has our values in it, as in like, can we meet each other and ourselves with kindness too? Can we um, live our lives and hang our internal hats on like principles of non-harm as well and, and social justice? Um, so kindness to me just has all these multitudes to it. And when we practice with it, one of the things I love about these teachings in the book and about kindness is that it's already within us 
just like mindfulness is. So um, these teachings in the book really point us back to the inherent capacity for kindness that we all have as human beings. We are born into this world with the capacity to be kind, just like we are born into this world with the capacity to be present and to be mindful. So that's how we landed on kindness now. Do you like the title, Josh? What do you think of it? And yeah, I'm I'm interested right now, and you know, Kelvin jokes about me being the brain. Uh, you know, well, well, he's you know the personality. But one of the things I get interested in, especially in the world as it is now, is what words mean. You know, so when I hear you, well, when I read you picking out a word like kindness, you know, my, my question is, you know, what, what does kindness mean? Is I think we have, we have some firm definitions for things like table, like my, my computer's on a table. Everybody would recognize this as everybody in the English speaking world would recognize this as a table. It's not in question. If I asked for something off the table, people would come to this piece of furniture and say, okay, it's the table. It's going to be there. But kindness, love, uh, mindfulness, even, you know, these are, these are words that might mean different things to different people. And so uh, when I read kindness, I, I immediately think of, something you know, between me and somebody else. And it really struck me that the first bit of kindness that you discuss in the book is kindness to yourself. And we are so lacking that, you know, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the places where there's a lack of kindness in the world, I think comes from fear. And I think the root of that fear is probably lack of kindness toward ourselves is like I'm not as good as that other person, and so I can't be kind. I have to come from a point of fear. But that you know, turning kindness inward and saying, "Hey, this is where I'm at. I need to, I need to accept that that's where I'm at. And if I want to grow from there." there are ways to grow from here, you know, whether it's you know, with a meditation practice or whether it's something, whether it's a, you know, hole in our knowledge, um, you know, we want to learn a new language, something like that. Uh, if it's, uh, if it's fitness, if it's diet, if it's, if it's money, uh, you know, this is where I'm at. If I want to earn more money, here here are the things I have to do. If you know, here is where I'm at. Um, this is my starting point. I want to get better at such and such. Suddenly, you can look at somebody else and say, "If I want what that person has, I don't have to take it from them." You know, there's not a finite amount of you know these resources. I like to say there's not a finite amount of awesome in this world. Uh, I can I can work toward getting where that person is. I don't have to take it from them. But that has to start with with the kindness toward ourselves. Like you. 
I I think that's so powerful, Josh, um, because especially as Western modern people, I hear this all the time that we we get these these concepts of love, compassion, kindness, or the celebration of somebody else's happiness for others, right? We can more we can more naturally offer kindness or, or compassion or celebration to others in our lives. But when we try to turn that around and actually offer that same genuine kindness or friendliness or empathy or compassion towards ourselves, a lot of us encounter roadblocks to that. And to your point, fear is a major one. Judgment is a major one. Um, encountering just even our past histories of, of personal trauma as well. We are all kind of coming at these qualities of warmth and, and kindness and compassion from our own individual locations and lenses. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I, I think that's really powerful in a sense of like, how then do we define these, these practices, just going back to what you were originally saying, because I always like to encourage anyone who's on the path of spiritual practice or meditation or mindfulness or just or or having the realization that they want to heal or get to know themselves better in their own unique ways my encouragement is always to take practices especially from mindfulness or buddhist based tradition take the practices in, take the words, take the teachings, take the concepts in and apply them to your own direct life. Take them in and directly work with them yourself because even mindfulness, even mindfulness can, we can form a very, very individual relationship to what mindfulness means. There are, of course, modern day definitions. There are classic traditional definitions, but what does mindfulness mean to you in the face of your own personal situations and circumstances, um, especially if you are feeling super anxious on a particular day or you, you can't focus on anything because you're burnt out and overwhelmed. Therefore, like, what does mindfulness mean to you in that particular exact moment? Maybe mindfulness just means feeling your feet resting against the ground in that moment or giving yourself permission to take one or three deep breaths, you know, and then just be in your experience from there. So kindness, you know, especially towards the self, I feel like works in a very similar way, Josh, where, um, you know, there's, there's definitions that we can work with friendship, love, generosity, compassion, acceptance, non-judgment, like mentioned before, but how can kindness and the facets of the heart, um, you know, how can kindness meet you in that exact moment? And, and also just taking a step back, it actually just made me think of that these teachings of the heart are all faces of love too. So really to me, if we want to get really close up to kindness or compassion, for example, in that same moment, we're also getting closer to our own relationship with, with unconditional love and loving awareness as well. So I really appreciate you just sharing your, your view on that. Thank you. Um, Calvin, you're just kind of staring at the screen here. Uh, uh, I was waiting. To, I was waiting what your next comment was going to be. Well, I, I was <laughs> gonna, my next comment was going was gonna to be, um, would you like to um, share Share your uh, your take on on kindness. <laughs> I was wondering that too, Kelvin. So, 
Josh goes deep. <laughs> you know, I tell people I don't know why we're still friends, but we 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 do because he and I are. are uh, I would think I would drive him crazy, but he's still here after all these years of friendship. So, but back to his question: your your idea of uh, mindfulness, your definition. I'm curious what um, is coming up for you, Calvin, around mindfulness or kindness, like the way of relating to it or definitions for you personally. Well, I was I was going to ask you your mm-hmm. definition of mindfulness um, before he brought it up. For me, I mean, I've read, you know, a number of things. You know, Eckhart Tolle is, is my probably most um, impactful read so far. And I really should finish that book. Um, I have a number of folks in what I talk to them about meditation, particularly people who are who are you know uh, Bible based, and I I have asked some of them, you know, do you meditate? And they say no. I pray, and I say okay. Um, one of the questions I was wanting to ask you is. What is the correlation or is there a correlation between mindfulness and prayer and those definitions? And that, I mean, that, that was a, the first big one. Um, and what is that process really? How would, when we become mindful, what are we really doing? I love this inquiry so much, Kelvin, um, you know, because it just lands us right in the middle of our conversation. Like, what are these things? What are these concepts, these teachings, these principles, these practices mean for us? And um, mindful, I, I like to first start with a working definition of mindfulness, which does admittedly come from um, contemporary, like secular, these mindfulness um, uh, practices or traditions like mindfulness-based stress reduction, which was started by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn or other secular forms of of non-religious-based or Buddhist-based mindfulness meditation. But uh, one of the working definitions that I start from is mindfulness is our capacity to be aware and anchored in the present moment, moment to moment in our lives in a loving, kind, and compassionate and non-judgmental way. So um, a few of my mentors have come up with that starting place of of a secular defined mindfulness definition. Again, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn or um, Diana Winston from UCLA, the Mindful Awareness Research Center, she really has a beautiful definition of mindfulness is our present moment awareness, moment to moment, in a um, in a kind and and open hearted way, something along those lines. So I really I begin there because our mindfulness practice is the engagement with being present in our lives. It's our way of knowing where our awareness is mindfulness, having the capacity to know, to recognize, to be aware of where our, where our attention and where our awareness is ac- actually is. When we're not mindful, I actually even like to contemplate that sometimes. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of my day yesterday. At one point, 
I just caught my attention or my, or my awareness totally not in the present moment. It was like planning out my next two weeks of my life, all of my travel. I was thinking about how I'd move through, you know, JFK airport, get on all my connections. I was like mentally mapping this out and well into my trip back to Los Angeles. And, and that's a moment of like, oh, wait, where am I? I am so like, I'm totally not here. Um, come back, you know, where is my attention, that pop of awareness? Um, so, so to me, like we begin with mindfulness being um, a practice that we can engage directly with, with the present moment with. And then to me, the slight, definition, slight difference between prayer and mindfulness is this, and this actually has to do with intention and, and um, you know, our motivation around our practice. Um, prayer, at least in my experience or my understanding of, of prayer and even mindful, mindful prayer, right? Um, there's some, there's some folks and some mindfulness groups who actually engage in a practice of, of mindful prayer, they call it. And um, to me, my, my understanding of the difference is that in prayer, we, we say something a little more affirmational, or we sort of set that aspiration or that intention outwards into the, into the universe or towards your higher source or towards God or towards divinity or whoever it is you're speaking with. And so there's a dialogue that's happening with an external entity or force or idea or consciousness that's outside of yourself. And um, with mindfulness and particularly with I, and I love this question so much, Kelvin, because it, it ties beautifully actually into how you practice with the uh, heart practices of mindfulness meditation, which is we repeat these phrases silently in the mind. And um, with mindfulness, we are asking ourselves to be with whatever is here in the present moment. We're not asking for something different than what is. And even with these phrases of loving kindness or compassion that we traditionally work with when we, when we practice with the Brahma Viharas or the heart qualities of mindfulness meditation, the slight difference is that they're not affirmation-based. They're not, I am kind and compassionate and loving and caring and, you know, just super generous in this moment. Um, because what if you're not feeling that way in this moment? And so, I feel like with mindfulness and especially with the aspirational way of practicing with loving kindness or compassion is we say, may I be happy today or someday soon? May I aspire to be loving, caring, kind, and compassionate? May I be healthy? May I be strong? And, and free from suffering and difficulty. So that slight difference is like the may I is um, an aspiration that we can we can go in that direction, similar to prayer. We know where we want to be going, but it also gives us the spaciousness of being with what is actually in reality happening in the present moment, including our own feelings, including our own circumstances. And so, the mind, our mindfulness practice is also a dialogue with within, within ourselves, and within the present moment. Um, we're not necessarily in dialogue with something external than our own experience. How's that all landing? What do you think, Kelvin? Yeah. In in all of that, that may I, who are we directing may I to? 
or what are we directing may I to may I be kind, may I be brave, may I be, where's that question going? Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, in the path of loving kindness or, or compassion practice, for example, we are on that path, going back to like some of the beginning parts of our conversation, we are on a certain traditional trajectory. Mm -hmm. So um, traditionally, there are five to seven stages of, of loving kindness or compassion or appreciative joy or equanimity practice that we work with. The most broadly, the stages and how I like to break it down in the book is we work with stage one is ourself. So we direct those phrases towards ourselves. May I be patient today. May I be happy. May I be loving. May I be kind. Then the next st uh, stage or group of, of um, direction that we send these phrases to is towards the other. So people that we know really well, like our loved ones, um, our close friends, our close family members. So we say, may you be happy today or someday soon. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be protected. Uh, may you be free from difficulty and suffering. And we even can let that practice the a part of the other group of others is like towards what, what is traditionally called our neutral people. So some of my favorite ways of practicing with these phrases, Kelvin, is, um, you know, even just like walking down the streets of New York City and Brooklyn right now, I, I sometimes I'm in the practice of as I'm walking, I'm just sending these phrases out to these total strangers that I'm walking by. Like, may you be cared for, feel cared for today. May you be happy and so supported. May you, you know, feel at ease in this moment and at ease in your your mind, body, heart. Um, we send these phrases out to our difficult people too, those who have harmed <laughs> us or or harmed you know um, more broadly and greatly in the world. And then the last category is we send these phrases towards all beings everywhere. And so sometimes the phrases take on the, the wording of may all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from difficulty and harm. Or may we, you know, may we all be happy today or someday soon. So we are pointing the loving kindness aspiration in these very intentional directions, self, others, and all. But not a deity per se to grant us permission to have that, that we're all, we're internal to us. I'm doing like the happy clap inside. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That, that was, you just landed it completely. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. All right. And in your life, um, and this could be an advanced or, or, a, or, you know, retro question, where you were before you started your meditation practice and where you are now, what is the, who are you now versus who you were then? Um, such a beautiful question, Kelvin. I, it's in some way, it's almost like hard to distinguish. Um, and of course, coming from maybe a more obvious place of like, well, um, I'm almost to two decades of practice, like in year 17, or I don't know, I haven't counted recently, 17 mm -hmm. or 18. And, um, 
Yeah. So in some lenses, it's like hard to like think back to myself as like the angsty teenager that I was <laughs> and to compare, you know, that person to who I am now. Um, but in some even like more, more recent ways of like comparison is that, okay, actually for the first like nine years of my meditation practice, I was like very, very in the realm of like mindfulness, like present moment attention, like we were talking about bringing attention back to the present moment over and over and over again, being more aware of my thoughts, being more aware of my emotions, um, being more aware of like what I was actually doing in the present moment and where I was in the world, not planning out like the next you know, year of my life, et cetera. Um, and so I was really in that realm of practice for a long time. And then I was introduced to the heart practices, to loving kindness, to compassion, to appreciative joy and to equanimity. And that's when there was a very definitive, like before and after, because, you know, going back to maybe even what you brought in Josh a little bit ago, like what is kindness and maybe how is, does that work within mindfulness practice or meditation practice? To me, um, kindness gave me more ability to, to meet what it was I was becoming aware of in my meditation practice in my, and in my life. So to me, kindness is like really like the how and compassion is the how feeling happy for somebody instead of jealous or, or, or constricted around their, their good fortune. That's like the how feeling equanimous as best as we can moment to moment. That's the how we meet our lives. And so after I started to more consciously bring in the practices of loving kindness and compassion, appreciative joy and equanimity, I just really started to notice my whole inner world transform at first, like I just sort of softened. I was a lot more spacious and forgiving with my myself, my imperfections, my mistakes. Boy, I didn't say that right. Wow, I didn't send that email in the most like graceful, kind, compassionate way. Wow, I messed up. Um, you know, things like that. They just they. I didn't take it to this like self berating level that I that I used to even during those years of of pure mindfulness practice. So. I noticed that as soon as I started to apply the, the faculties of love or the faculties of the heart within my day-to-day -day practice and my meditation practice, I started to change. My inner world started to change. How I related to myself started to change. But really, really where I noticed it too is that that same sort of forgiveness or compassion or spaciousness I was offering towards myself in the moment as best as I could, I was also starting to do that with others. So I realized like, you know, even if I didn't consider myself to be a judgmental person, actually at that stage of my practice, I realized like I kind of was judgy, you know, I kind of noticed something, I'd make a story about it, I'd have my opinion about it, and it would stay there. Whereas after I started to work with kindness and compassion, I'd still, I'd have the judgment, you know, I'd make meaning out of something that I would see somebody else do or something happening around me. But I would then have that take that step back, not form and like kind of uh, solidify around that judgment and that belief and kind of be stuck in that opinion. I'd actually take that a step back and say, oh, 
you know, that person's having a really stressed out moment, just like me last week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like, oh, you know, can I offer them help? I'm just going to like place my hand on my heart, send them some kindness and support right now. I do that in lines all the time right now. (laughs) I'm like sending out kindness and compassion a lot during my days. Um, But so all that internal softening just sort of also lent itself to how I engaged with the world and how I treated and related to to others as well. So I think that was a real like before and after moment in my meditation path and practice. Thank you. Mr. Shear? So bringing this conversation back toward the external and um, I'm going to read into um, something from your book. So feel free to deflect or tell, tell me I'm reading it wrong. Um, but I look at the, um, people who gave you blurbs and, uh, wrote your forward and, you know, I am, I am not, I am not well read in this area, but I know Trudy Goodman's name and I know Sharon Salzberg's name and I know Deepak Chopra's name. Um, it seems, and, and I know those are all people who are, you know, kind of what we would call, you know, retiring age, you know, um, you know Ram Das, who is, you know, another peer of theirs, uh, you know, has died in the last couple of years. I know he had health issues. Uh, he had a stroke a, a while back. Um, my first thought actually was Jack Cornfield probably also gave you a blurb that you couldn't print. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it feels like this is the start of the um, the passing of the guard to a new generation. Um, and I want to know, um, you know, if you feel that too, and, and if so, what that feels like to kind of say, okay, um, they're not ready to go yet, but um, when they do, they're kind of entrusting this to me. And, and what does that feel like? And, and you know, is that, is that something you've thought about? Josh, I'm like literally um, just getting almost like teary eyed hearing you describe that, you know, that moment in time um, and just in relation to even generosity I received from all of my mentors. And yes, like the um, previous generation of meditation teachers and mindfulness leaders. um, And I take it very seriously. So I think about it a lot, actually, to your point, I thought about it for years, even prior to um, starting to write kindness now. And however, during the writing process of this book project, I had the opportunity to really like hone in on that very thing of like, well, I want to make sure that my way of sharing these timeless teachings from Buddhist tradition, these aren't mine. I didn't make these up. My mentors didn't make these up. Um, These have been practiced by human beings for hundreds and thousands of years. So what do I need to do? Me personally, Amanda Gilbert, in, um, you know, in my, my, my body, you know, my, my body, my identity location right now, like, what do I need to do in order to make sure that I am as genuinely and authentically sharing and quote unquote, passing along these teachings in a way that keeps 
the um, integrity of, of the teachings intact. So my approach, yes, to the book, but also my approach to how I practice, how I study, um, is always with that in heart and mind. I think one of the reasons why I've taken my studies so seriously and I've done years of meditation teacher training is because I have such a high level of respect for my mentors and I have such a high level of respect for the lineage and, and the teachings that um, I want to know moment to moment that I'm just doing my best, my absolute human <laughs> best to, to share them from that place of, of integrity um, and keeping the transmission of the teachings um, intact as best as, that I, as I can. So I, I take it very seriously and um, I don't take any sort of like, um, you know, the beautiful quotes from, from all of the, you know, all my mentors who blurb kindness now, Trudy's beautiful forward. I love her writing. She like, I, one of the main reasons why I was so happy she, she said yes to writing the forward was because her writing is so beautiful. Her practice is so deep and, and um, accessible and genuine. Um, I, you know, I take their acknowledgement, so to speak, and their view on, on my generation of teachers, like very, very seriously, that I care about their feelings, I care about their thoughts, their reflections. So, um, you know, I, as far as like a passing of the guard, maybe that's happening, maybe that is. Um, however, as a practitioner, I'm also relishing the time that I have with all of my previous generation teachers. And I'm, so happy I still get to learn from them right now. Go ahead, Calvin. I'm stealing and no, no, I'm just I'm just leaning in <laughs> and and listening. So yeah. well I know we're coming up on time here. So I want to give you a few more minutes to talk about uh, anything else that you want to get across to our audience, um, maybe present them with a challenge that's separate from your book. And by challenge, I, you know, whatever, you, if, if that's be kind to you today, that's, that's enough of a challenge. Um, and then to, to let people know uh, how to best connect with you and, you know, where online you like to hang out if you, if you do <laughs> um, and, and that kind of thing. So, Hmm. I feel like that we've covered such beautiful ground in our conversation that I'm not feeling the direct need to like share anything in addition to all of the wonderful questions that um, you both brought in and just all the train that we covered. And I think a invitation or a challenge that I would love and feel honored to share with our listeners right now is to one, notice your relationship with your own idea and concept of meditation or mindfulness or kindness or compassion practice. And just contemplate that for a moment. Notice your current belief system around that, maybe from one end of the spectrum of I'm a long time meditator. I got this down. This is just, I get all these concepts, et cetera, to I'm, I'm, you know, not able to do this. I can't even sit still. 
I'm not a good meditator. I'm a failed one. I've tried it before. It hasn't worked for me. So wherever you may fall in your own relationship to contemplative practice, mindful prayer, uh, mindfulness, compassion, meditation, just notice that for a moment and see if there is anything arising for you in your mind and heart right now. Is there anything pulling you in particular? Like maybe the soft and lion-hearted commitment of wanting to grow a more consistent meditation practice, five, 10, 15 minutes a day, even two minutes of mindful breathing in the, mo- in the morning. What's calling you right now? And is there a particular quality that also maybe is calling you? Like, are you already aware that you could probably and maybe and most likely be a little more like kind towards yourself or kind towards a certain friendship or relationship that you're in? Where is there room in your life to bring qualities of mind and heart to more presence, more um, connection, more kindness, more patience. And just softly check in with that and see if there is a sort of commitment that you'd like to make to yourself right now and see if there's even something that comes up for you around, okay, you know, maybe since one of the premises of mindfulness meditation or meditation in general is that we always have the opportunity to begin again, no matter what our history is, no matter what we've gone through, no matter our successes or our failures, we can always begin again and just see what's alive for you around this moment. See where in your field of practice, in your realm of practice, or even in your life, where would you like to begin again? And just notice what's coming up. And if you'd like, you can even take like a nice deep breath around this right now, just really breathing in all this clarity, maybe this motivation, this aspiration, and then lightly make a commitment and a promise to yourself to show up towards this practice or this idea or this aspiration today, and then begin again tomorrow, begin again the next day after that. So that is my challenge to you, our dear listeners and our dear friends, be willing to begin again and um, maybe even be willing to let go of the stories and beliefs you have around your own meditation practice and tune into how this practice can meet you and support you right here and right now. So um, that's what's alive in this moment as far as an invitation and a challenge um, and where you can connect with me. I am across all of the social channels at Amanda Gilbert Meditation. Please come say hi. I love meeting everyone. So please say hi to me, connect with me. My website is um, amandagilbertmeditation.com. And I look forward to connecting uh, with you there in all those places. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the conversation today. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us for an hour, and we will let you know when this is up. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Delightful to be here with you both. Josh and Kelvin, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be in conversation with you. Thank you for being here. Better Humanhood Production.